Hello, everyone. It is Monday, July 17, 2023, and again, broadcasting to you from the Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association. It's unusual that we're doing this on a Monday. Uh, the reason was because last Friday I was out doing the new benefit that we have for our Missouri Funeral Director members, uh, the funeral home members of the association, and that is what we're calling the pre-inspection inspection where I will go to your funeral home. I will bring with me the checklist that was used by when they had paper checklists uh, by the state inspectors to go out and look at your funeral homes, look to see if there's anything that uh, an inspector might flag as a potential problem, go over OSHA and FTC stuff and things like that. And I was out Friday. Uh, I was out most of last week doing those. Visited about six funeral homes. Uh, it was a great time. I uh, got to meet some new people, got to go through the funeral homes. And I'm not going to tell you who I, who I, uh, who I visited because all that's kept confidential. But uh, there were a few things that would popped up on some of the uh, inspections that we did that an inspector might, of course, it's, it's up to them, inspector might decide to write up if they'd found those when they did their inspection. So I want to go over some of those so that you can check your own funeral home to make sure that you've got all this in the right uh, manner for everybody. All right. Well, the first thing is a couple funeral homes. I did what the inspectors like to do sometimes, and I popped into that embalming room. And sure enough, on a couple of occasions, I found no sheets on an empty embalming table. Missouri law requires that the embalming table be covered with a sheet at all times, even if there is no body on the embalming table. You must always have a sheet. Now, you might say that's a silly rule because we know that that embalming table has been cleaned and is completely sterile. And that's a requirement, too, of course, that the embalming table be clean and completely sterile. There is no requirement that the sheet be sterile. There's, it just says covered with a the sheet. There, there's no laundry requirement for the sheet. So uh, that's interesting. But nevertheless, the regulations do require that a sheet be on the embalming table at all times. Also, the instruments used for embalming must be stored in a cabinet or drawer. You can't just leave them laying out. Now, of course, in the middle of an embalming or while you're doing an embalming, you might have those instruments laying out. That's no problem, obviously. Uh, if you've just washed them and they're drying, they will be out. That's no problem. But if you walk into an embalming room, there is no bodies in the embalming room, no dead bodies in the embalming room, and the inspector sees instruments lying out on a table, and they're not obviously just wet or drying, that's a potential something that they could write you up for because there must be some sort of cabinet for storing uh, those uh instruments. You can't leave them just lying out. Another thing everybody needs to watch out for is that your exits are not blocked. Now, that's an OSHA thing. Remember, as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest things that OSHA has found when they've gone into funeral homes is exits being blocked. And that's a very easy thing to have happen in a funeral home. Uh, you've got a body on a gurney and it's it's moved over here and don't plan to keep it there for very long. It's just there because you're moving things around or you got some boxes that just came in from a shipment from a chemical company and you stacked them right there for a second. Understand, it's easy to happen. But if it does, it going on and an OSHA walks in and sees that, that is a violation. 
So watch out for that. Another one that we ran into, and this uh, uh, has been contentious in the past, and I think some of you have had to deal with this, is making sure that the name on everything that you have of your funeral home is exactly as it is on file with the state board. Now, every funeral home can, in effect, have two names. You can have your what I call your real underlying name, and you can have one doing business as name. Now, you can use either one of those. That's fine. But pick one, whichever one you use, and that has to be exactly that name in full on everything. If you have little brochures, if you have pens that somebody could take home with them, if you have fans that people will fan themselves with or advertisements for a upcoming dinner, your entire name as it is with the state board needs to be spelled out. So if your funeral home's name is John Doe Funeral Chapel, Inc., comma, Inc., everything better say John Doe Funeral Chapel, comma, Inc. And if you leave the ink off, you could get written up that that's a violation. If it you have dash ink instead of comma ink, that's potentially a violation. Um, if you have uh, if you've added cremation services recently, and so your things, your advertisements, either in the newspaper or on a brochure or something, say John Doe Funeral Services and Cremation, and you haven't changed your doing business as name, that's a potential violation as well. So you need to make sure that your name is exactly on your shirts, on everything else, is exactly the same as it is on file with the state board, either your real underlying name or your doing business as name. Another thing I noticed at a couple of funeral homes was on your embalming permission sheets. All right. You need to make sure that all the required information is on the embalming uh, authorization sheets. And keep in mind, there's two ways you can get the authorization. You can be in the physical presence of the person who's actually doing the authorization. And then there's a list of things that has to be on that. Or you could be maybe getting this on the phone. And you might not be getting the authorization from the actual person authorizing, but somebody who's communicating that authorization. For example, dad passed away. Mom's in the bedroom. She's too upset to talk any, to anyone. So the son is talking with the funeral home. And yes, that's perfectly fine, but there's specific information you need to write down. And one of the big things that you need to have on that embalming authorization is the title of the person who, on behalf of the funeral home, wrote this all down. So it's not enough that you just have a blank spot where the funeral director or your removal person signs that they received this. It needs to have the title of the person. The title can be anything. So on your, on your embalming authorization forms, it should have name of the person receiving the authorization, and then you should have a blank line that says title, blank line, so that person can write in their title. So everybody's got to have a title, and it doesn't matter what the title is. The title could be funeral director. The uh, a title could be a removal specialist. The title could be persons who's in charge of making sure that they follow all of the crazy rules, no matter how they ridiculous they sound. <laughs> that could be your title. It doesn't matter, but you'd have to have a title and you want to have a space for that title on your blank author, uh, embalming authorizations. Another thing I noticed is that uh, some funeral homes 
uh, had their GPLs, their general price lists, okay, not in a uh, format that the FTC, I think, would like. I'm going to tell you in a minute how we're going to help you all out on a number of these things uh, at the end of this. So stay tuned. And I'm going to hook you up with some uh, links this week on how to help you with, with all of this stuff. So watch out for the GPL. Um, on your statement of goods and services, your statement of goods and services. Now, we talked about this uh, on a video a while back ago, but all your statements of goods and services need to include how the consumer is going to pay. You need to have a line item on there that says how paid, method of payment, something like that, that you can write in insurance policy, premium plan, uh, cash, check, credit card, money order. And it's perfectly all right to put in that blank TBA to be determined if you don't know right then. But you need to have a line item on your statement of goods and services as how the consumer is going to be paid. Another one had to do, and again, we've talked about this uh, recently, but uh, is the data inspect the data sheets that come with all your chemicals. Of course, every time you get a chemical, it has a data sheet with it that has all of the information on there and all the warnings and all the things to do. Every funeral home that I visited had all, had those data sheets. They all had them in uh, a, a three ring binder. And everybody knew where they were. Great. Every single one of them had that. But two of the funeral homes I visited kept those in the embalming room. And the embalming room was locked, which is correct. I mean, you, you want the embalming room to be locked. So the problem is, and again, this is, a, this is an OSHA problem, is what happens if a, uh, there's a delivery of chemicals and they're put in the front door by your receptionist desk? By your receptor, my, my Windows is wanting to update again, so we got to stop that. So a, a box of chemicals comes in, and it's not in your embalming room. It's it's sitting out there in the hallway near your front door, and a spill occurs there. Well, the people who might have to deal with those chemicals need to be able to have access to those chemical data sheets. So while having a copy of those in the embalming room is a darn good idea, because that's where you most likely would need them, you should also keep another copy somewhere that's not behind a locked door and not in a locked drawer or locked file cabinets. And of course, every one of your employees needs to know where that is in the event of some sort of situation. So keeping it in the embalming room is actually a really good idea because that's more likely will you'll need it. But you also want to make sure you have a copy that's never behind a locked door. So that was something as well. Uh, the last one's kind of a little tricky because, to be honest with you, it's a it's a subjective standard, and that has to do with the licenses that you have hanging on the wall. The regulations that says they must be conspicuous. What does conspicuous mean? What what where is the legal definition of conspicuous? All right, so that's that's a tough one, and uh, one inspector might think something is very conspicuous, one might not. And that's a problem for some funeral homes that have a lot of people that work there. Maybe they're not full-time employees. Maybe they're in bombers that come in and every now and then, but they have all the, like they're required, have all the licenses on the wall. Even a very small funeral home might have 10, 20 licenses that they may need to hang up on the wall. And so that makes it hard to put it in a public location 
something where people will see, uh, to make it look nice, to make it not look cluttered, uh, to make it, quote, conspicuous and all that. So uh, and this was interesting because I don't think any of the funeral homes I visited were aware that this was an option, not something you have to do, but it's an option with your individual licenses. And that's what I call the elevator option, the elevator option. The reason I call it the elevator option is if you've ever been an elevator, they almost always have a little frame on one side of the elevator that the inspection report is supposed to go in. But guess what? The inspection report is never there, is it? No. There's a little notice on there that says our most recent inspected report is available for review in the maintenance office or the main, somewhere else. But you can do something similar with your individual licenses. You can have a sign on the wall that says our individual licenses are available for inspection in our main office. Then you can just keep all of those little do I have one here? I usually have one sitting here for my law class. You know, all your, your individual licenses then can be kept in a three ring binder. Now, the trick to that is the regulation has very specific wording on what that has to say. All right. So you have to use the exact specific wording. Well, if you're interested in that, we're going to give that to you later in the week. Can't do it today because I'm getting ready to head out because I have a backlog of death certificate correction affidavits that I have to get over there, including some uh, rush jobs that I need to get over to the Bureau of Vital Records. Uh, I'm going to talk about more one more vital record thing in a minute. But, so I have to do that. Tomorrow, I'm doing some more pre-inspection inspections. Wednesday, we've got the law class. So Thursday, watch out for Thursday, we're going to be sending out an in the loop that has several things on it. It's going to list everything that you have to have on your embalming authorization forms. It's going to list everything that you have to have on your written statement of charges, your statement of goods and services. Most of you call that. All right. It's going to have the exact wording of that elevator rule sign. So if you want to do that as an option and just have one sign up in a conspicuous place that says your license is available inspection in the main office, we're going to give you the exact wording that that has to be on Thursday. And the last thing I'm going to send out is a link to this, the purple book, the purple book. I call it the purple book because, well, it's purple, all right? This is, without a doubt, the most amazing document I have ever seen from the federal government. It's complying with the funeral rule. It was put, it's put out by the Federal Trade Commission. And like I said, I have never seen a document from the federal government like this. Why? It's really good. It is easy to understand. It is comprehensive. It gives you wonderful examples and uh, templates, and it has everything you need need here. It's starting on page. You can't read it here, of course, but we're going to send you the link where you can download this. Uh, it includes a sample general price list. Okay, it includes a sample general price list. Um, that you can follow with all the important thing. And this was one of the issues with some of the general price list I saw having the correct heading and having all the required disclosures that you have to have on all your price list, because there's some uh, legal gobbledygook that they require to have in there on your uh, general price list. And, and most people, I mean, I didn't see any general price list that was deceptive. I didn't see any general price list that was confusing, but there were some that didn't have the exact and they wanted the exact wording 
on, on these disclosures and disclaimers that are in this section. So we're going to send you a like, now how, how in the world the federal government ever came up with something like this that is uh, so comprehensive, so useful, and so easy to understand, I don't know. But they did. And so on Thursday in our In the Loop, we'll send you the link how you can download one of these for free. Anybody can get a hold of one of these uh, from the FTC uh, and uh, have those available for all your funeral home employees that need to see that. Okay. The last thing I'm going to cover today is something new that's popped up this month. And one of the things I'm heading over, uh, I'm going to talk with them over at Vital Records today. And there's nothing. I just want to make sure that they're aware that this is going on because you're going to see a lot of them. Um, We are getting a whole bunch of people that are wanting to change a very old death certificate, a very old death certificate from their grandfather. And almost all of these are from Italy where they're wanting to correct the date of death or correct the spelling of the last name. Now, we suspect that the reason this is going on is because Italy has a program where you can get an Italian passport if you can show that, I forget how, maybe your grandfather or great, I don't know how far it goes back, but if you can show a close enough uh, ancestor was born in Italy there is some sort of program where I don't know how much you have to pay to do it, but you can wind up and get yourself an Italian passport, perhaps I, even Italian citizenship. I think if you pay enough money, I don't know how that all works. Haven't looked it up, but there is this program out there. So we've gotten literally this month about a half dozen people that are trying to change a very old death certificate. Now there's a problem because on these ones that we're getting the calls about, the original funeral home doesn't exist anymore. And if the original funeral home doesn't exist anymore, and if if nobody, no funeral home that exists today officially took over for that funeral home, you know, purchased that funeral home in 1950 or something like that, if, if it just went out of business, it's no longer there. And if the informant is no longer alive, the original informant, then the only way to correct those death certificates is to go to court. And that's what, unfortunately, we're having to tell these people. Literally, we've had six of them this month, all from Italy, all dealing with grandparents, uh, people who passed away quite a long time ago. One person was born in like 1897. Might have been great-grandparent on that one. I'm not sure. And in each case, of course, the original informant was also dead. And the funeral home that did the original death certificate no longer exists. They went out of business a long time ago and no funeral home assumed their files. No funeral home took over their records is legally responsible for the stuff that the old funeral home did. And in that instance, that ancestor, the great grandson or whoever it is, if they want to change that death certificate, they've got to go to court and have a judge issue an order that directs the Missouri Bureau of Vital Records to change the uh, death certificate on great grandpa's uh, death certificate changed it from 1897 to 1898, changed his middle name from whatever it was on the death certificate to wherever it should be or whatever it is and all that. You got to get the court order. That's uh, obviously inconvenient for people. Uh, it uh, may require them to hire an attorney to get it done. So there might be expense involved. You've got to get a, then a certified copy of that order that you bring down here to Jefferson city and Jefferson city will prepare the death certificate for you. The funeral, the, the correct, the corrected funeral, uh, uh, funeral director can't help you. So the message here is since this is apparently going on this month, 
if you have an individual just come into your funeral home because their family uses you or they know you or in the community or something like that, and they're trying to change a very, very old death certificate, make a correction on that, and your funeral home didn't do it, you are not the one that did that original death certificate. And that original funeral home is long gone and the informant is long gone. Unfortunately, you're just going to have to tell those people that you're not able to help them and that they're going to have to probably get themselves an attorney. They're going to have to get a court order. And if they really want it corrected, that's the process that they're going to have to do with that. Don't know why it's all hit this month, but it certainly has. And it's, I don't know, I don't know if people want their uh, Italian passports this month. Uh, it's over 100 degrees in Rome, I read, and like approaching 110 degrees further south in Sicily. Uh, not, not a good month to, to be heading to uh, southern Italy, apparently. But apparently a lot of people at least want to get their Italian grandparents and great-grandparents uh, death certificates corrected. Uh, so it is how it should be. So that's all we have for today. Again, um, heading out of town tomorrow, do some more of these pre-inspection inspections. If you're interested in your funeral home having a pre-inspection inspection, call our office here and we'll set you up an appointment. I'm already booked through uh, July. Can't fit any more in July. We still have some openings in August. If there's demand for these after August, we're going to have to have to schedule you in because in September we have board meetings, the uh, national Funeral Directors Conference is in September and a lot of other things going on. And then we start getting into getting prepared for the legislative session because we really do have to prepare for the legislative session beginning in like October uh, is how early you have to start preparing things. So it does start getting busy after end of August and starting going into September. So we'll, we'll try to fit you in. But uh, next month is a good month for me to come out and visit your funeral home, go over all this. I can take a look at just about anything you want and tell you if I think the state board, the OSHA or the FTC could potentially have a problem. Again, I can't guarantee you whether they will or not, but I could say, you know what, here's what the rule is. If the inspector uh, is interested in enforcing this rule to the letter on the day they visit you, you might have a problem with that. So you might want to look at it. So that's what we do for you. If you're interested in that, again, I, I'm booked up this entire rest of this month. Don't have any more openings. We do have openings in August. If you're interested in me doing that, just give us a call. So that's what we have. Keep in mind Thursday, Thursday, Thursday will be the big in the loop that has all this information on it that I want you all to uh, have available to you because apparently that is at least on my first week of inspections. That's something I think a lot of you would like to have available. So until next time, which again will not be Friday, because I'm out on inspections on Friday. It'll be a week from today on Monday. So uh, from a week from today on Monday, until then, stay safe. <laughs>